0: What a joy to sing the songs of God together with God's people, and I must say to you, where's Eli, who prayed for us this morning? Wow, brother. I love hearing students pray, and thank you for your prayer so much, and uh, just love how God is at work in so many different ways. We continue in this series um, called Living by the Book, and this Wednesday night, if you want to... uh, Uh, dive down a bit deeper, I'll be uh, leading a a deeper study on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. It'll last about eight, nine weeks, uh, called Living by the Book. And uh, from it, from this book by Howard Hendricks, you will discover how to study the Bible for yourself. I love hearing the stories of how you're getting into God's Word and God's Word is getting into you. All right, so it's one thing to get into his word. It's another thing for his word to get into you. And I love hearing the stories of how that's happening. Uh, So I own a skill saw. It doesn't mean much. Uh, But I do, and uh, I can make rough cuts with it. But I can't build anything. I I can't. uh, the, The idea of things being square just doesn't occur to me. Uh, trying to configure uh, measurements and uh, make sure that uh, something comes out exactly as it should. It just is so foreign to me. Take that saw and some other tools and put them in the right hands, and, and those people who can do that can produce a masterpiece. They can produce something remarkable and incredible and useful and beautiful. And so it is with God's word. Last week we discovered that it is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Put the sword in the wrong hands and it's like putting a skill saw in mine, you'll have a mess. Put God's word in the wrong hands and you'll have a mess. Before Paul explains to Timothy uh, the merits of God's word, he makes clear to him Who ought to handle it? Who should handle the sword or who should be trusted with it? Look at verses 10 and 11 of 2 Timothy 3. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra which persecutions I endured yet from them all the Lord rescued me now Paul had been through some pretty amazing things uh, by the way, don't get confused. There are two Antiochs in, in, in the New Testament. One is the church that sent Paul out. He wasn't persecuted there. The other is Antioch of Pisidia, and that is in Asia Minor. That's where he was persecuted. He was almost stoned there, got out of the city. Uh, at Lystra, I think, is where he was stoned and, and then was uh, 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 left the city. So Paul went through some difficult things. And notice the possessive pronoun my. He says, You followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, mine, as compared to whose. If you see the possessive pronoun my, then who is he comparing himself to? He's comparing himself, if you just push rewind in this chapter you discover that Paul is comparing himself to false teachers who preach a false doctrine, a, a false uh, gospel, and, and Paul is saying, Don't follow them, follow me. Don't follow their ways, follow mine. Put God's word in their hands, and you have a mess. And this is seen clearly today And Throughout the sermon, I'm going to help you to see where this has happened. I'm using um, uh, Cults and Counterfeit Gospels by David Platt. And this is from when we did Secret Church. Five, six hours one night of of, uh, just intense study. But it was rather remarkable. Put God's Word in the hands of Joseph Smith. And what you end up with is Mormonism. Right? Mormonism. Our friends who are Mormons, they are wonderful people, no doubt uh, there may be some watching on Facebook Live this morning, this is not to offend you in any way, but it is to point out that Mormonism is a cult. It is not a Christian church. Uh, Joseph uh, Smith, uh, when he received uh, these visions, he said he Uh, was 14 years old, and he had visions of two personages. God the Father pointed to Jesus and said, according to Smith, this is my son, hear him. And Smith asked, which sect should I join? None, the the voice said, they are all wrong. So there are no true believers, according to him. This was in 1805. So he had another vision of the angel Moroni, Who told him of golden plates written in hieroglyphics. So he translated those using two crystals, Urim and Thumen. Later, what came from that translation is what is known as the Book of Mormon, the story of lost Israelites, are you ready for this, who migrated to America in the sixth century B.C., and were killed in battle in A.D. 428. That's the Book of Mormon. That's it. Another vision from John the Baptist made Smith a priest. He continued to receive revelations telling him to move from one place to another, and uh, which he did. Today, over 16 million members of the Mormon church are in 30,000 congregations worldwide, nine million of them being in North America. All of it because Smith received what he called a revelation which began in the Word of God, began in the Bible itself, that's how cults get their start. They begin with a verse or two or an idea and build off of them. And So that was nothing, it's nothing new. It was in Paul's day, read every single letter from Paul and he warns against false teachers. Paul said, imitate my faith. I would say college students, as you head to college you will be exposed to many different ideas, many different thoughts, many different possibilities for where truth is, where truth lies, what is truth, what isn't truth. Follow those who follow God. Paul practiced what he preached. If the walk doesn't match the talk, it's garbage. Not gospel. If the walk doesn't match the talk, it's garbage, not gospel. Paul continues to his young uh, mentee Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All right. You who know me, know me well, know that I love education. Absolutely love it. When I did youth ministry, our students had an average GPA goal every single year. I love education. Obviously, I've gotten umpteen degrees from different places and have studied and I teach and I love it. But students, I want to say something to you. There are many things that you will learn over the next four years or however many years of your life. But you will learn nothing new when it comes to the fact That there is a God singular in three persons, the Trinity, who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is his Son, fully God. Fully man, the Holy Spirit makes Christ known on planet Earth. Christ died, Christ rose again, He's coming back for His church one day. That was truth Uh, then, it is truth now, and it will be truth when you graduate college. That's truth. You may learn all kinds of things. You may question uh, bits and pieces of things that you've been taught as you've grown up, nuances and interpretations of tier two and tier three issues, but there is truth in the world. It isn't yours. It is an individual. It is truth with a capital T. He came walking in the form of a man. His name was Jesus. He was the word living. We now have the word written. You can bank on it. You can bank on it. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. And where did it start with Timothy? Listen up, moms. Listen, grandmothers. With his grandmother and with his mother. If you go back to chapter 1 of of 2 Timothy, his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, taught him. What? The Old Testament. Since he was a kid, they taught him the Old Testament. Now listen to what that does. All right? So parents, I want to talk to you for a minute. We're not even to the sermon. This is introduction. It's a bit frightening. Um, But parents, I want to talk to you for a minute. I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me well. Look at this. Listen, I hope you, if if you write in your Bibles, underline this. All right, continue what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, mom and grandmother, and how from childhood, uh, and me, uh, Paul is saying, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, Old Testament, which are able to make you what? Wise for salvation. All right, mom, dad, listen to me. Listen to me, this idea that somehow you have to let your kids choose their own whatever while they live in your house is hogwash. It's hogwash, it's of the world, it's of the enemy. When they're in your house, you teach them truth, amen? Amen. And don't shirk from that. If they don't want to come to youth, don't listen to them. You send them, right? But what if I turn them against hogwash? All right? You know, you say, you say well, what do you mean? Well, if you're going to follow that, then don't send them to school. And everyone can just kick them out. Right? It's absurd. The thinking that we get is absurd that, well, somehow they've got to get a public education. But if I, if I zero in, if I drill down spiritually, somehow I will turn them away from God. No. No. If they turn away from God, they turned away from him. Not because you taught them truth. Not because you walked with them. Not because you insisted that they walk with God. Not for any of those reasons. Not for that. All right, let's preach. All right, number one, two two truths we get from this. God's word tells you what to know. God's word tells you what to know. So there's two big words. They're not on the screen, but if you're a big word person, let me just throw them out to you. This verse, these passages are all about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. All right. So somebody, I think it was Megan, said she's going to work on the ortho floor. That means to straighten out what's crooked. All right, so that's what ortho means, to straighten out what's crooked. And so uh, there's orthodoxy, straighten out wrong crooked thinking. There's orthopraxy, straighten out wrong crooked behavior. All right? These verses, God's word tells you what to know. How to straighten out wrong crooked thinking. Why? All scripture is breathed out by God. All of it. It's all breathed out by God. Heard somebody say this, never forgot it. They said it, and, and, and this annoys me to death when my kids do this or used to do this. They're big uh, now. But when they used to do this, uh, because I like to keep my car clean, but breathe on the window and ride on it. Anybody else that just annoys to death? Because it seems like once you breathe on the window and ride on it, the next day when there's no stuff on it, it's still there. That's what this means. It's like God breathed and wrote in his breath. His word. Th- that's, that's what it means. That's how to understand it. All scriptures is, is the breath of God, it's the breathed out word of God. And it is what? Profitable for teaching. What is teaching? It is doctrinal instruction. It's how to think. We all have to be taught how to think. All right, so beginning on Father's Day, the next Sunday, Alan Michael will preach the next Sunday. Uh, very fitting. Adrian plans to preach on Father's Day, baby do this week. Uh, but uh, but uh, on Father's Day, we'll begin a brand new series called Anthropology. Well, what's it all about? Wow, we have some messed up thinking about personhood today. It's just so messed up, right? Uh, we do not think of ourselves and we do not think of others as God created us and made us we just don't think right we devalue men and women boys and girls we devalue old people we we have just in our culture we've run amok all right so why the series orthodoxy how is it that we should think about people created in the image of god we got to relearn this one Because we bought into a world system of thinking that has caused us to devalue and degrade men and women, boys and girls, old people, children, just just people across the board. We have bought into it. That's orthodoxy. A.W. Tozer says, I'll give you the elongated quote, perhaps you've seen the shorter one, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he is in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. What you think, when you think of God, might be the most important thing about you. I would agree. So it's profitable for teaching, for doctrinal instruction, and for reproof. That means what isn't accurate. Right? It means what isn't accurate. So it means when I stand up here today and I point out inaccuracies to you that I'm doing exactly what Scripture says Scripture ought to do. All right? So you put God's words in the hand of Charles Taze Russell, and you end up with Jehovah's Witnesses. You end up with Jehovah's Witnesses. They are followers of God who believe that Jehovah is God's true name. This was in 1872. Growing up in the church, he had great difficulty with the doctrine of Trinity and hell. At 18, he organized a Bible class in Pittsburgh during the Bible student movement of the 1870s and began teaching his doctrines. In 1879, he began co-publishing his teachings in the Herald of the Morning magazine. In 1884, he controlled the publishing and renamed the magazine The Watchtower. Right, You've seen it many places. Why have you seen it many places? Are you ready for this? Today, the publishing complex of the Jehovah's Witnesses in Brooklyn, New York, it's their headquarters they produce a hundred thousand books and 800,000 copies of its magazine per day day per day they claim to have a circulation of 42 million copies of each issue each issue of the watchtower each issue of the watchtower, making its circulation larger than any other magazine in the world. In the world. Now, the Mormon Church, the Church of Latter-day Saints, they've got the internet. Google any Bible question, and the first website to pop up is lds.org. They've done all their homework on the search engine side. lds.org, that's the first one. Their second magazine, Awake, has a circulation of 41 million copies. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They do not believe that he was God in human flesh. They believe they are the only pure religion Interpreting the Bible as the early Christians did before it was corrupted in the 34th centuries. So you have the Church of Latter-day Saints. The reason it's called that is they do not believe there were any saints for hundreds of years, right? Until the migration and them in the 1800s. You have the Jehovah's Witnesses who believe they're it. All right, so Travis and Lori Green used to live right down below us. And... uh One day, Travis called and said, I need you to come down here. So I go down there having no clue what I'm walking into. Well, there were two women there. They had knocked on his door, and they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And he said, I've got a friend who I think would really like to hear this. They were pumped. I realized when I get there, they think that I'm a would-be disciple so, so they open up their Bible. They have their own version, just like the Mormon Bible. They open it up. They look at me, and they begin. And I said, could you turn to John 1 in your Bible? They did. In the beginning was a word, right? That's, that's how it reads. They changed the definite article to an indefinite one, and that word was with God and was a God. I said, could you tell me where those indefinite articles came from? They began to stammer. I said, if you'll hold a moment, I'll go get my Greek version. And they said, we're done. (laughs) We're out. I looked at Travis and just shook my head. Right. But it's the truth. They've taken God's word and they've twisted God's word. God's word in the hands of Charles Taze Russell. This is what's happened. Wow. Wow. Number two, God's Word tells you how to live for correction, restoration to an upright state. All right? Upright, not crooked. God's Word helps us to get straight. Right? It helps us to get straight. This is why it's so critical to be in God's Word on a regular basis. All right? You cannot have a cast on for a day and see a difference, can you? No. No. It, it, that's why people wear casts uh, for a long time, you know, for periods, because they, over a period of time, straighten out the broken bone, right? They, they bring things back into place over a period of time. It was uh, several years ago, I was in the front room of the house doing some counseling, premarital counseling with this couple, all right, when uh, Trent, who's quite young at the time, comes in with his cousin Grayson, and Trent's holding this arm, and he knocks on the door, Grayson does, and Trent walks in. And when he walks in, his arm looks like this. Yeah, it's gross. And he's, uh, he's not crying anything. He said, Dad, I think I broke my arm. No. Nah. <laughs> you, you may have, son. All right, so, so sure enough, going down the driveway, a little scooter scooter fell on his arm and just broke it right in two. All right, so, so we go across the mountain to the doctor, go visit the ortho doctor, and they, they put a cast on it. And the doctor says, we can do this. Uh, weeks, weeks he wore that cast. Why? Because it was a gradual straightening of the arm, right? It, it, and we would go in, and the doctor, I think, put two or three casts on it during that time, and adjusted, adjusted, adjusted. That's how God's Word works, all right? So, so every single day, if you put the cast of God's word on any brokenness in your life, you know what's going to happen? It's going to start to straighten out. Uh, it's just going to start. I promise you, from personal experience, that if you put the cast of God's word on the brokenness of your life, God's word will begin to take this and just bring it in line. And that's happened every single day. All right. So Sunday morning isn't enough. Singing the songs here isn't enough. Being in the Word on Sunday morning when I preach it, I'm just saying to you, isn't enough. It's day in and day out, and you'll see what's broken become straight. So it's for correction. Number two it's for training in righteousness. All right, so, so correction, that's a pound of cure. Training in righteousness, that's an ounce of prevention. All right, so the word training in righteousness literally is the whole training and education of children in order for them to live an upright life. That's training in righteousness. It has that word, uh, that Greek word for child in it, in, in the phrase. You not only hear and do God's word to fix your sin, you hear and do God's word to avoid sin. Both. You hear and do God's word to fix what is broken, but you hear and do God's word to keep what is straight, straight. All the teaching in God's Word. This uh, man sitting here this morning came up to me last night and said, Jerry, I've been in the Word just, just, just from the day we talked, I've been in the Word. It's blowing my mind. I get up earlier and earlier every morning to get in the Word. And he said, my life is radically changing. There is no substitute for your daily time in God's Word. There's no substitute for it at all. So, what is the result? Look at the result here. It's proven results that the man of God, the woman of God, either one, may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word literally is not man, it's messenger in the Greek, that the messenger of God. All right, if all of you know Christ, every one of you is a what? Messenger. You're a billboard, you're a messenger. The way you lead uh, your folks at work, you're a messenger either of God or of Satan, not much in between, right? The way you love your husband, love your wife, the way you lead your kids, teach your kids, uh, students, the way you act at school, the way you're a messenger, you're a billboard, either for God or for Satan. All right, so, so if you want to be complete, equipped, that means furnished, thoroughly furnished for every good work, it's the word. There is no substitute. It's the word, the word in you, and you in the word. So I've shared this before. I Don't mean to overshare uh, about Trent this morning, but uh, many of you know years ago Trent became quite ill. He's been through 13 surgeries. He became quite ill, and when he did, uh, we it was a tough, tough time. And many of you walked with us through that time. It's very, very tough. I went back and and I save. I have an email folder called encouragement. And uh, when you do God's work, uh, there are t- sometimes you just need to go to that email folder and read. You just need to go read. And so believe it or not, from 2012, I have an email that I received from folks who are members here. They weren't then. They were just attending here from out of town. And I had come before you, for those of you who have been here for the long haul, and told you I had to take two weeks away to take care of my family during that illness. I received this email from the, i never met these folks. It says, hi Jerry, as the children and I were just praying for your family, the verse that came to mind was, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we prayed for Trent, not only to be delivered from fear, but to, but to have a sound mind restored. He is a special young man. So we are not surprised that the enemy would attack in this way. The wife says, once many years ago, a dark cloud of fear descended on me. While my husband was away, it was irrational and terrifying. And all I could think to do was say over and over, I will fear no evil. I can't remember how long it took, in parentheses, felt like forever. But after a while, the cloud retreated. And I realized again what an all-powerful weapon that God has given us. The Word truly is a sword to defeat the enemy. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced a time where you went to the Word, you drew the sword, and when you drew the sword, the Word became that sword? To defeat the enemy, the word became a powerful weapon in your hands. So please know that we are standing with you and Wendy through this difficult time believing that this trial is truly a treasure in disguise as they always are for those who love Jesus. That's God's word in the hands of somebody who knows how to handle it, isn't it? That's God's word in somebody's hand uh, who knows how to handle it. And there are those times when you will be there where you will need God's word. And God's word will speak and and comfort. But you put God's word in the hands of Kenneth Hagin or Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes. And this is what they'll say to you. Here's what Kenneth Hagin, one of the prosperity gospel preachers, says. Jesus, however, came to redeem us from Satan's power and dominion over us. We are to reign as kings in life. That means that we have dominion over our lives. We are to dominate, not to be dominated. Circumstances are not to dominate you. Poverty is not to rule and reign over you. You are to rule and reign over poverty. Disease and sickness are not to rule and reign over you. You are to rule and reign over sickness. We are to reign as kings in life by Christ Jesus in whom we have our redemption. Hey, Kenny, would you travel with me to Ecuador next week and tell those people that? There is no Ecuadorian dream. Would you go to Senegal Africa and preach the same message to people who live in huts without running water? There is no Senegal dream. Can your gospel be preached outside of the context, Jesse DePlantis, of someone who is trying to get people to give you $54 million to buy a jet? This is unbelievable, isn't it? Joel Osteen, maybe Alzheimer's disease runs in your family genes, but don't succumb to it. Are you kidding me? Instead, say every day. My mind is alert. Big smile on face. I have clarity of thought. I have good memory. Every cell in my body is increasing and getting healthier. If you'll rise up in your authority, you can be the one to put a stop to the negative things in your family line. Start boldly declaring, God is restoring health unto me. I'm getting better every day in every way. Hogwash. I've stood by the bedsides of people All of us dies Jolie Osteen I've come, these are quotes, to expect to be treated differently I've learned to expect people to want to help me My attitude is this I'm a child of the Most High God. My Father created the whole universe. He has crowned me with favor. Therefore, I can expect preferential treatment. I can expect people to go out of their way to want to help me. If this is what you feed on, when trials come, you will experience defeat and guilt because of them. counterfeit gospel you cannot listen to this mess you cannot take it in you cannot begin to believe it's everywhere he has his own channel now on satellite all day long 24 7 you can listen to this garbage td jakes says this there is one god creator of all things infinitely perfect and eternally existed in three not persons. He's not a Trinitarian, in case you're wondering. Manifestations. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the same time I received the email from that person, I received an email from another person, which fortunately I can't find, who said to me, I've been attending your church you are not giving your people the meat of the word, only milk. They are anemic and weak. If you had been giving them the meat, and if indeed you have been eating the meat of the word, your son would not have become ill. And then she said, As I was praying this morning, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to say to you. And she began to quote what I was to take as the word of God to me. This long. I do have that email. This long. God's word in the wrong hands. So, college students, the church you choose matters where you go and get in one don't flounder on that one get in one but the church you choose matters be careful if you have any questions let us know do they preach the word are they true to the gospel is Jesus number one matters I'll share this Um, unlike Joel Osteen I have been unable and those of you who know me for a long time know this I've been unable to fight off the potential reoccurrence of depression more than one occasion it has come calling and it did so this past week and when it hit it hit hard and it was just like And I couldn't describe it. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know why. And so on Wednesday morning, I I grabbed the sword that I know to fight with. And I went to Psalm 62. And I began to pray God's word. God, for you alone, my soul waits in silence. From you comes my salvation. You alone are my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Verse 3, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. My enemies are Satan, the world, and my sinful nature, just like yours. Verse 5, God, for you alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from you. You only are my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Came to work on Wednesday, made it through. Came to work on Thursday, heavy counseling schedule, made it through. Friday was awful. I could see no hope. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Everything was gray. Everything was dark. Everything was bad. Nothing was satisfying. Nothing. I could do nothing. I sat around all day. I could do absolutely nothing. And it just came, and it hit so hard, so fast. I thought, what in the world? So Friday evening, Wendy and I headed across the mountain to see Candy Wassman and do some things. And I said, honey, we got to talk. I'm in a rough place," she said. "What is going on? I haven't noticed a thing." I said, "I have just barreled forward, doing what I know to do, doing what I know to do." In that car, an amazing wife I have, tears flowing down. We just talked all the way over. Immediate release. I would just say to you this morning, I would just say to you this morning, I am no poster child for how to get through hard times. But you better talk to somebody. So we talked and cleaned myself up and headed in to make the visit with Candy and came out and had to go to a couple places and grabbed a bite to eat. And, and the Lord knows how to take care of his kids. Amen. He knows how, he, he just knows how, and so she went into the Kmart, which is, you know, that would only add depression on, and so <laughs> I sure as heck wasn't going in there, so she said, I know you hate this place, you stay out here, I turn on WMIT and focus on the family is on, and this guy says, he's talking about getting ALS, and how he, uh, how he couldn't walk anymore and another guy pushed him 500 miles in his wheelchair and he says uh, the, the the interviewer says well tell us if people are struggling what should they do he said he talked about God's word number one he said number two you better go to somebody I would just say that to you this morning don't struggle alone don't do that and so Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Verse 9, those of low estate are but a breath, those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Verse 11, once God has spoken. I love this. Twice I've heard this. the power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Do you know what that says to me? God, you love me, and you can. You love me, and you can. And sitting there outside of Kmart with my Bible app open to the Psalm 62, I said, God, if this is my lot in life, you love me, and you can, and I'm good with that, because that's what his word says, amen, and I'm good with that. If this is for some reason the the affliction that I experience on an intermittent basis for reasons I cannot explain and things I cannot understand, then God, you love me and you can. His word became the sword in my hand to fend off the enemy yesterday morning early. Mike McWhirter, comes our second service, sent me a text of a man he had heard speak, born with no arms He's been on Fox News and other places, lives right down in Charlotte. Mike said, You need to read this. I just click on I read. Wow. What faith. What faith. Flew out a text to the guys in my life group saying, I'm in a storm. I need your prayers. I swear I am. God's word. God's word. Let's say to you this morning that you hold in your hands, on your device, the powerful word of a God who loves deeply and can and will. Amen. Put you back your head. For this time, we're going to, Chris or whoever's running things, just pull our cameras completely off. For those on Facebook Live, uh, thank you for being with us. I just want the cameras off. All right. If you're in this room this morning, and you say, Jerry, I'm in a tough place. And I need God's Word and God's people. Would you raise your hand? One. Keep them up. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Thirteen. Fourteen. Fifteen. Sixteen. Seventeen. Eighteen. Nineteen. 20 21 22 23 24 25 26 27 28 29 30 31 32 33 34 35 36 37 38 39 40 41 42 43 44 45 46 47 you're not alone you can put your hands down now. There's some of you who are battling cancer. Others are battling like I do from time to time. Some of you are grieving great loss. Pour your heart out before him now. I want to pray over all of us Psalm 62. God, for you alone our soul waits in silence. Our help comes from you, our salvation. You alone are our rock. In our salvation, our fortress, we will not be greatly shaken. Lord, how long will we be attacked and feel like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? Satan and our sinful nature and the world only plan to thrust us down from our high position with you. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. But God, for you alone, oh, our soul, wait in silence. Our hope is from you. You only are our rock and our salvation, our fortress. We will not be shaken. On you rest our salvation and our glory. You are our mighty rock. You are our refuge. And so we will trust in you. At all times, we will pour out our hearts just like we are this morning before you because you are a refuge. Lord, those of low estate, they're but a breath. And those of high estate, they're but a delusion. In the balance is they go up and they're together lighter than a breath. We will put no trust in extortion. We will set no vain hopes on robbery. Lord, if you bless us with more money, we will not set our heart on that. Once you have spoken, and twice we have heard this that power belongs to you. And that to you, O oh Lord, belongs steadfast love. You can and you will. You can and you will. For you will render to us according to our work. We're your people in your place to do your bidding. And all God's people say, Amen.